Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And normally on this show, we're reading Frank Herbert's Dune chapter by chapter, but we are not doing that today. Today we are talking about book three of Stephen King's Dark Tower series, The Wasteland. Wastelands, right? Wastelands. Wastelands, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize until today that this had a, a subtitle, subtitled Redemption. They all so, have something like that where... So it's I, the Dark Tower 3 colon the Wastelands colon Redemption. <laughs> okay, Uncle Steve. <laughs> Great title. <laughs> well, long days and pleasant nights, Bo. Oh, say, and may you have twice the number, oh. Megan. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's amazing to me that this book starts with a giant robot bear and then by then you're just like no forget that ever happened just keep going keep moving keep moving keep moving <laughs> i love this book i had so much fun rereading it like it is i never realized how long it was before until you said something because i always just tear through it mm-hmm. i read this book so fast every time i've read it i just devour it and so yeah. when i looked i was like oh yeah this is a long book it's almost 700 pages it's pretty long and I think that I just had never really noticed because, yeah, so much stuff happens that it does feel a lot faster than something like Wizard and Glass, which I don't particularly care for. So in my mm-hmm. mind, that book looms so long. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a long book is the thing. Like, was, we're not talking about Wizard and Glass today, but I mean, just for the purposes of discussion, it's a chunker. Mm-hmm. It's a it's the biggest one, I think. I, I, it's the second largest one next to the final one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a door stopper. So <laughs> we're really, we have our work cut out for us with the next one. But we've got a while before we figure that out. And we're not here to talk about that today. We're no. here to talk about the Wastelands, which, as you said, begins with a giant <laughs> cyborg bear. I love this because there's so much, like, weird sci-fi and weird magic and it's all kind of mixed in together and there's mm-hmm. like dream stuff and physics and all kinds of just like weird shit and i love it i love it so much uh yeah they're still they're in sort of i would say like kind of foresty scrublands mm-hmm. up from the beach yeah um no one's doing particularly well they're doing better than they have been but you know that's that's hanging on a thread yeah well, uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie and Susanna are learning how to be gunslingers. Mm-hmm. They're getting some training from Roland. They've also just declared themselves married, which I enjoy in books when people do that. Mm-hmm. When they're just like, oh, have I mentioned this is the person I'm married to? And you're like, well, uh, all right, fine, cool. <laughs> I enjoy how no everyone's just like, yep, sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think, though, even though she's Susanna, they're Eddie and Susanna Dean, like, I don't think he ever calls her his wife. He does. It's always like his woman is what I always hear. He calls her his wife. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think she's basically just like, this is my boy. <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is my guy right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is my bit of stuff. <laughs> you see this guy? That's mine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Roland and Susanna are off training, and Eddie is back at camp, and then a giant bear appears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's um he's he's trying to work on himself he's trying to to move on from everything that happened in the last book uh trying to move on from losing his brother mm-hmm. and his whole world essentially yeah. and coming into this weird place and i mean there's a lot of like i like this book a lot because there's a lot of like emotional growth that has mm-hmm. to happen for pretty much everybody yeah, and it's such, in this one particularly, you do get to see so much more of the fact that what we all kind of suspected from the previous book was that his brother was a piece of shit. Yeah, Henry and, sucked. Yeah, Henry sucked. And, you know, we, you kind of, in the first book, there's bits of that, you know, and, and you want to, like, like Eddie, you want to attribute it to the drugs. Mm-hmm. But now he just was always a piece of shit. Uh, you see them as kids at one point, and he's yep. awful. And 
Yeah, so Eddie's Eddie's new big thing is that he hears Henry's voice in his head, basically telling him that he'll never accomplish anything and that he sucks. And he wants to take up whittling, which was something he liked to do. But then Henry, Henry couldn't deal with anyone, particularly Eddie, having any sort of talent or ability that he did not have mm-hmm. and kind of, well, beat it out of him. So every time Eddie goes to do anything, he hears his brother's voice in his head making fun of him. Which, of course, Roland immediately picks up on, which at a certain point would get so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. There's a part where Eddie's saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm worried, you know, what if I screw this up? And he's just like, you've been hearing your brother in your head. It's like, you know what, dude? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need this from you right now. But then also, it's like, Eddie's like that friend that's hung up on that boyfriend that treated her like shit. Mm-hmm. And so I get it. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get Roland's frustration. So the bear is called Shardik, which is a reference to a novel. Um, so uh, it's a novel called Shardik. It's by Richard Adams, who wrote Watership Down, uh, yep. which we were just were talking about on our sideshow about Lost. And so it's it's a cyborg because it is technologically enhanced but it is a physical bear and it has really disgusting parasites yeah yeah so it's a it's a it's ancient it's been around for thousands of years it it was put there for very it you know it it was put in this area for a very specific reason Mm -hmm. and you know it has a purpose but it's still very much like it's a it might be like cybernetic but it's still a bear (laughs) like it's it's a very intelligent bear but it's like has the instincts of a bear i would say and also like because it's so old you know parasites have been able to get into like the organic components of this Mm -hmm. bear and it has pretty much gone insane so everyone's (laughs) worst nightmare a cyborg bear with rabies yeah and that whole sequence is so good Mm because i mean i love a good animal attack and a giant bear especially because i mean look how poorly to be frank humanity does when faced with a regular bear Mm -hmm. and when we say a giant bear i mean it's giant it's like oh yeah an 18 wheeler standing like put put it on its end that's the size of this there's a point where eddie climbs a tree to get away from it and while he does get just out of its reach, he is effectively at the part of a tree where it starts to get just very thin mm-hmm. at the very top. So, you know, think about a big old pine. Uh, and I love that sequence because Roland and Susanna hear that something's going on. Uh, they're a little bit at edge anyway because Roland's teaching methods are a little... <laughs> mm. Susanna is, yeah, they he's kind of using Susanna's, like, feelings against her in these lessons yeah you know there's a lot of poking and prickling he does that to eddie later as well mm-hmm. um where there's just a lot of no i'm gonna force you into doing this thing but it's because mm-hmm. i love you it's like you know I... <laughs> it's She's effective learn. <laughs> but it's not great roland <laughs> it's not great yeah, it's not the best teaching method, but I guess it's the crash course. Because time is of the essence in this in this case. Um, not just because, you know, they're in a strange world and on this quest, but because Roland is having problems of his own. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back in the first book, uh, he met Jake mm-hmm. and eventually let Jake die. Yep. Uh, then in the second book, he ends up killing the man who would have killed Jake and yes. saving Jake. He kills and... that man before mm-hmm. he was supposed, or actually, like he stops him. He on stops the day. him, and he kills him later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so since Jake is now alive, it was yeah. a big time travel conundrum. So Roland they- has created a paradox a paradox yeah Yeah. so he's got two kind of timelines in his head Mm -hmm. and so does jake back in new york yeah one in which he dies and one Mm. in which he doesn't and And both are happening 
dying in the street and then also dying again. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, this poor kid. <laughs> I know. I mean, a, a super deadly ancient sort of warrior type with a split personality is split consciousness is scary enough. But a, what, 12-year-old with that is just heartbreaking. Yeah. And especially when he's got, well, pretty stereotypical 70s Manhattan parents. Mm-hmm. His mom's on a lot of... Downers, Mm -hmm. and his dad snorts a lot of coke and works at a TV network. Mm -hmm. Um, I do appreciate he has Jake has a scene with his uh, housekeeper where he's just like she does care about me, but also she just wants to go home because like her day is done at her job, and I respect that. So you know what, I'm fine. Tell my parents I'm fine. You go home. (laughs) Yeah, you got it, kid. He was like, I respect it because it's honest. Yeah, this lady is like, I do care about you, kid, but also I was supposed to uh, head home about an hour ago. Uh, (laughs) Not actually your babysitter. Yeah. And I think, like, that's part of the reason, and I I don't want to talk much about the Dark Tower movie, but I do want to touch on this. I think that's part of the reason why it doesn't really work is because, Mm -hmm. like, the parents in that movie are so different from this, from Jake's situation in the books. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much easier for him to leave because he is so disconnected from his family Mm -hmm. and like from his school and everything. Like you never hear Jake talking about like hanging out with friends. Like he's kind of a solitary kid. The only thing he really enjoys doing is bowling. Yeah. He's, he's just sort of this, you know, he goes to a very preppy school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has just, yeah, he goes to school, he goes bowling, and then he comes home and has a snack. Like, that's sort of what he does. Mm-hmm. And he knows that on a certain day he was supposed to die. Yeah. And the day that it's supposed to happen, he's waiting for it to happen, and then it doesn't. Um, And so, meanwhile, back in, in Midworld, they do defeat the bear. Mm-hmm. They defeat Shardik. They shoot his little... He basically has, like, one of those beanie caps with a little propeller, but it's, mm-hmm. like, controlling him. Like a little satellite dish, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty funny because none of them has... None of them really comes from a time that's super great with robot stuff. <laughs> right. Like, Eddie's kind of doing the best. Yeah. But both Roland and Susanna are like, uh-huh? <laughs> a what now? Like, she's kind right. of like, oh, like, in the pulp comics? Like, what yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> right. Meanwhile, poor Roland's just like, a what? <laughs> it's a huh? But it turns out that there's actually some, there's some already some, like, outworld Gilead mythology around Oh, there this is. Bear. Yes. He's, because he's not just a bear. He's not just a robot bear. Like I said, he was put there for a purpose. <laughs> I want that on a shirt. Not just a bear. bear. Not just a robot oh. bear. <laughs> People walking by me going, what? <laughs> Don't worry about me. it. Excuse me, lady. No. <laughs> he was put there for a reason. And it's to guard something. It's it's mm-hmm. to guard these things. They're called the beams. They are essentially like, what is it? like? Kind of like ley lines. So they're like ley lines. Basically, there's 12 portals. Um, there's a portal on each end. I am again doing a thing with my hand that people cannot see. Um, so imagine a wheel with spokes. Basically. There's a wheel with spokes. The dark tower is in the center. Each of the beams goes out to this portal. There's a guardian at each portal. Mm-hmm. And then there's a guardian at the other end of the beam as mm-hmm. well. And the ones yeah. at the inner part of the beam are like the ancient ones, mm-hmm. as it were. And the match for Shardik is the turtle. Yeah. Well, they don't say Matuan, but... No, but it's a good old turtle. He, we yeah. know him well. He shows up in It. Yep. Uh, in a hilarious part. I know it's not supposed to be hilarious, but I always <laughs> found that scene very funny when Bill is just like, can you help us? He's like, eh. <laughs> right. <laughs> nah. I got a lot of stuff to do, and what I got to do is sleep. So Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry about the clown. Yeah. I'm going to go away. <laughs> Sorry, kid. <laughs> That'd be me as an ancient guardian. It's also very much like Morla the Ancient One from right. Never Ending Story. It's the same yes. deal. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me sleep. I'm too old and too turtly. Right. <laughs> to care about this. 
so I do enjoy that with the turtle. It has this great, so there are rhymes about the different guardians. Yeah. And I like that there's both the like, oh, the serious version and then like kind of the kids version that has like curse words in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you can imagine a toddler rolling hearing nursery rhymes, like that to me is endlessly fascinating and amusing. I know. Yeah, some of these characters, when you have this concept that any of them were children, which they were, you know, in most cases, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like, what? It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, but so because because of this split because of this paradox like Roland is Roland and Jake are both kind of losing their mind mm-hmm. and Eddie and Susanna find... are very like what do we do if this guy goes crazy yeah and Roland thank god has enough presence of mind to know to give his gun and wep- all his weapons to Eddie and Susanna like mm-hmm. I could seriously hurt you I could kill you easily <laughs> and can I just say guys yeah. friends cotet yeah if you're worried that the guy you're traveling with who is your leader who is kind of your dad your mentor mm-hmm. is losing it and that you might have to your put Giles. him down at some point um maybe this isn't the best time to fuck <laughs> but this entire I mean, series might as well be called the dark tower i don't know let's just have sex <laughs> yeah there's a lot of this these quiet lovemaking sessions by the <laughs> By the fire after Which they're they always think like, oh, Roland's asleep, so let's go with it. He's yeah. always awake. <laughs> <laughs> and that one's particularly awkward because he's like, oh, they just had sex and then they were having pillow talk and it was about me and how I'm nuts. And it's like, aw, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> so the awkward layers of road trips. Yeah. <laughs> also, but people. Roland is. is- is nice about it he doesn't he's, i mean he understands this sort of thing as we've mm-hmm. seen and as we will see um but it's just this idea it's like you're never as quiet as you think you are right and roland has really good hearing yeah <laughs> like i've been in those situations where you can oh, tell yeah. that the other people are like no one will ever know it's like, yeah. yeah we all know my college roommate really thought she was <laughs> pulling oh. some fast ones on me but <laughs> i was in a tent once Oh with my friends. God. It was one of the ones that had a divide, at least. So we were in yeah. separate rooms, quote unquote, of the tent. Yeah. But we were all at this big party. And so we were in this tent. And then there was just this point where I was like, seriously? Seriously? <laughs> what? What? Oh. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Needs must, Megan. Needs must. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, call, call me call me old fashioned but there was a part of me that was like y'all are married just do this at your house when you get home <laughs> you live in the same house yeah but that's uh, not as exciting I guess not <laughs> I'd wager I wouldn't know anything about it honestly uh, the best part of Jake's entire story to me in New York mm-hmm is that he has realized that he's sort of in his mind starting to lose it and mm-hmm. he has he goes as we said to this really like you know high pressure private school yeah and he has to do this english assignment where he has to write this like big essay or something yeah and he realizes that what he's done is effectively just sort of put to paper all of his like dreams and visions and whatnot about yeah the, the tower and midworld he must have done it when he was in like some kind of a fugue state yeah because like he looks at the english essay and he's like what the fuck and so like there's stuff about roland there's stuff about yeah. as we'll find out blaine um lud like yeah all kinds of stuff like pictures that he's cut out of things and pasted like a big thing of the tower like all the kinds halls of stuff of ruin and the rooms of the dead or whatever like all of that stuff is in there about it's... the the slow mutants that mm-hmm. killed him and just all kinds of things and so he ends up freaking out and leaving school because he's just yeah. like if i turn this in that everyone will know that i'm i'm losing it yeah and my parents will you know it'll be awful so he runs out. He ends up spending the day kind of running around New York. Plays hooky. Plays hooky. He ends up going to a bookstore where he gets some prescient books. Yeah. Uh, a book of riddles from yep. which all the answers have been torn out. Mm-hmm. Which would drive me nuts because I hate riddles. <laughs> and um, then a children's book 
called Charlie the Choo Choo. Yes. Uh, which is awful. <laughs> which sounds like a terrible book just in general. Yeah. It's sort of, I know it's supposed to have like layers of meaning, uh, but I'm sort of like, maybe Stephen King shouldn't write any heartfelt children's books <laughs> you can, trains. And just for the curious listener, like you can buy Charlie the Choo Choo yes. as a children's book. Get a load of that cover because there it, it is, is looking at you. It is sold as a children's book, Megan. Oh, Lord. I will have to like, probably get that. Yeah, I, I just, like, I can't, personally. Uh, yeah, Charlie the Choo Choo by Beryl Evans. Yes, but yeah. Yeah, just take a look at the front picture, because that's a very important piece of the mm-hmm. entire puzzle. And It's about a menacing, a menacing train. <laughs> tr- well, first it's about, it's about a suicidal train. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's sort of a generic children's story, and Jake is, is reading it with this kind of very cynical, you know, kind of 11, 12-year-old air of, like, mm-hmm. oh, books for babies. Uh, it's about, you know, it's sort of like um, Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel, where mm-hmm. it's about this guy and he and his, his Charlie the Choo Choo, and they do the, the run from St. Louis to Topeka. Yep. And they're the fastest and the best, and everyone loves them, but then they get, he you know, Charlie gets replaced by a diesel engine. So this is actually almost definitely Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. Yeah. Uh, and he, the the engineer refuses to abandon drive the new, him. to do abandon Charlie. So they spend, yeah. he spends all of his time cleaning up all the trains and spending time with Charlie, who now basically is just like, gonna die. Yeah. Got no point to me anymore. Uh, but then, of course, something happens where the diesel engine doesn't work. So they end up needing to bring back the old steam engine and he saves the day and hurrah. Jake's the whole time just like, oh, I bet he's going to save the day. Yep. Mm -hmm. But also, I bet he was the one that sabotaged the diesel in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know, maybe. It seems very plausible. Uh, so he, he, Jake gets these books, he plays hooky, and then when he goes home, he, like, his parents flip out. Oh, but before he does that, he goes to the vacant lot. Is that the same trip? Yeah, it's the same trip. Okay. Uh, He goes to the vacant, there's a vacant lot, and he feels sort of, like, compelled or drawn to this spot because he's been having dreams of it. This place Mm -hmm. called Tom and Jerry's Artistic Deli. (laughs) Party (laughs) plates are specialty. I, I've read this book a few times now. But, like, <laughs> he keeps having dreams about this, and, like, Eddie is sort of in his dreams, but he doesn't know it's Eddie. And, yeah. like, Eddie is dreaming that he's Jake, but he doesn't know he's Jake, really. He kind of has yeah. an inkling, but it's not there. But anyway, Jake it's finds also himself... Also, the time, the time frames overlap in yeah. the sense that Eddie... Eddie and Jake are almost kind of the same age. Yeah. Except that, of course, Eddie comes from a point further in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jake keeps having these dreams about a child, Eddie. Yeah. Who kind of just sounds sort of like the regular Eddie. And yeah. It's kind of obnoxious. <laughs> it's a bit yeah. of a Richie Tozier, this one. <laughs> but um, he ends up going in, like, the deli isn't there anymore. It's this vacant lot. And he feels like at first the sense of, like, horrible disappointment until he realizes that like all of the things that were compelling him to go there are still there mm-hmm. they're just in a di- it's sort of like you know the law of energy where you know you can't be created or destroyed just transferred and so it's like ever like it's all still there basically it's it's like this magical spot sort of in the middle of New York and there's mm-hmm. this rose in the middle of this like busted ass <laughs> <laughs> vacant lot <laughs> weeds growing everywhere there's like he's describing like trash like it's the most beautiful thing in the world and like <laughs> he's hearing like a choir of angels <laughs> and shit and he sees this rose and is like drawn to this rose and in the rose like he sees like a sun Instead, mm-hmm. like he thinks it's the pollen, and then he looks closer and sees it's actually like a sun, and not just any sun, but all suns. And at times, these books get a little trippy. Mm-hmm. Just gonna throw that out there for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but so he he knows that this is something that he has to protect. He goes home, kind of now feeling a, a kind of a new sense of purpose. Yeah. He is very disappointed that he thought the voices in his head would stop when he found whatever he was looking for, but they have not. He did find a key there, and that helps quiet them. Yes. Holding so the key. So he goes home, 
and his parents give him shit. There's all kinds of stuff, but his teacher has come by apparently and dropped off his essay. And he has a very nice letter from one of his teachers saying, like, we've all noticed you're a little stressed if you need any kind of, you know, extensions mm-hmm. or someone to talk to. And like, he's kind we of get like, it exams are stressful. And he's, he kind of has this moment of, all right, maybe not everyone sucks. Like, mm-hmm. that's actually really, like, touching that they're, yeah, they very, care. Uh, a little and kindness. Then, and then he gets his essay out and he has gotten an A plus on it because his teacher's like, wow, it's so amazing. That, you know, <laughs> you really, you really called, like you know formal education to task with (laughs) this stunning uh, out there so highly original and yeah (laughs) it's like free verse spoken word that you've written down with multimedia start submitting it out like sending it out for submission yeah like it could be published it's so beautiful and it's amazing because jake is really just like well that's a crock of shit but all right <laughs> hey i got an a plus <laughs> and uh so the big thing with the key uh also comes back to something that happens back in midworld which is roland tells his story again mm-hmm. um i do with everything that's happened the fact that he's talking about this paradox and they're both just like what are you talking about <laughs> sounds kind of weird to me it's like you guys are literally in another dimension right now <laughs> i just want to point that out to you just roll with it um like Susanna had multiple personalities like a week ago yeah i'm uh, just gonna throw that out there for it really wasn't that long ago guys yeah um so uh, roland throws walter's jawbone which he has been carrying with him since the end of the gunslinger into Not the fire creepy at all yeah, yeah. I like that Susanna does kind of think that. She's like, oh, <laughs> that's a jaw. Okay. We're just yeah. carrying jaw bones around. That's <laughs> fine with me. Uh, he burns it. And in the fire, Eddie gets a vision of yeah. a key. And he realizes that he needs to whittle this key. Like he needs to make the key. And he can't yeah. talk about it quite yet. Uh, and it's it's not just the door like he ends up giving it to roland uh because he has another dream sort of vision with jake in it where jake's like you know give him the key uh he gives roland the key and it quiets his voices yeah uh i actually also really like like oh my god eddie you're a magician you're magical i do like the part where he shows him the key he's whittling just because roland's just like that is so good dude look (laughs) at you and it's just like, yeah, it's really what Eddie needs, honestly. It's a little positive, positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement, yeah. And he gives it to Roland, and it ends up also being the key that they need to open the door to bring Jake back into Midworld with them. Yeah. So his key, poor Jake, can't just, of course, walk through a door. <laughs> no. No, he has to go, like, in his dreams, like, he and Eddie are sort of now starting to communicate in their dreams. Eddie tells him, like, you got to go to this place. You got to find me in Brooklyn. Jake's like, Brooklyn's huge. What the hell? And he's like, trust me, you'll find me. You fa- you'll find me the same way you found the vacant lot. Like, it'll happen. I love but, like, that part where he's like, no, just go to Brooklyn. It's yeah. fine. Don't worry about it. You'll find, find me, me in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And he's like, what? But like, he's like, just come to Brooklyn. Find me. I'll guide you where you need to go, but pretend like you don't know me. Don't let my brother see you. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to have to be fast. You're going to have to move really fast is he, basically the yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's inside this sort of with this quote unquote haunted house, this abandoned mm-hmm. house, uh, yeah. Dutch Hill. And it's, yeah, poor Jake has to encounter henry who even mm. as a kid is garbage sucks. he sucks yeah he's like harassing girls he's giving eddie a hard time he's uh, playing basketball ugh. shittily yeah and of course it's everyone else's fault but his own because mm-hmm. he's one of them one of them yeah. their folks oh he's sure and those and that's always the worst because it's not even except for the whittling thing mm-hmm. it's saddest because it's never so much that eddie is so amazingly good at anything mm-hmm. you know it's not as if his brother is this genius who's this artist and great at sports he just mm-hmm. happens to be a little better than henry yeah and it's like that's oh 
that somehow <laughs> is even worse than if 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 Eddie was like, oh, I used to you know solve calculus problems when I was in preschool, and then right. you know he's just a decent basketball player and he's pretty good at carving things. Yeah, he's just a nice guy. Like girls kind of like him better, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So. Jake goes into the house, and so not only does he have to try to figure out where this door is going to show up, because there's a, there's a door on his side, but he can't, like, there's a lot of, they have they, to. It's like a, a security deposit box. They have to be open yeah. together. Yeah. It's yeah. two keys. So Eddie is is carving his key on his side, and Jake has his key already, but he has to go through this haunted house where the the house is actually like sort of a demon i guess like a guardian a guardian of this portal i mean it's like a lot it's a lot guys and then on the midworld side it turns out that the portal ends in like a speaking ring a speaking circle like a you know stone circle that has a A demon in it like the one we saw in gunslinger yeah and once more, so Roland's like, okay, Eddie, you're the one who, ha- you made the key. You have to open the door. Like, you have to make the door mm-hmm. and, and open the door, which means he has to actually draw the keyhole yeah. and everything. And the key has to be perfect. Yeah. And it's almost not. He manages mm-hmm. to get that one little thing ready. Yeah. Uh, but Roland's like, well, you're doing that. Either myself or Susanna have to have sex with this demon. To keep it distracted. Because it's going to go for you. Like, and I'm just like, uh, oh, we're doing this again? Yeah. So hmm. he kind of is like, it'd be really great if you could pull some of your Detta personality forward. Because she's a little easier with doing this kind of stuff, I guess. Because <laughs> um, Detta's uh, a stone cold bitch. Is yeah. Because Detta's, and- she's hard. Like, she's hard and she doesn't give a fuck. They do have a fun, like, I enjoy their little exchange where... He's trying, he's trying to, like, kindly break this to Susanna. Like, mm-hmm. Roland isn't entirely an asshole all the time. So <laughs> yeah. he's sort of like, okay, this is a little awkward, but... But... <laughs> and so some of Detta is already coming out, and so she's just like, so if it likes guys, you're gonna fuck it. And if it likes girls, I have to fuck it. And she's, like, she's like, what like, if what it goes if it both, both? <laughs> <laughs> and, and He's like, Roland, well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> To be fair, at that point, he's like, well, then I guess we're both going to do it. Which I'm like, okay, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to want a three-way with you, Roland. But I guess if you're volunteering. <laughs> I mean. Jeez, <laughs> like, Roland. <laughs> I mean, and the whole thing sound, sounds like, while it's happening, incredibly, you wouldn't imagine it's pleasant. But it just no. sounds horrible. Really like, horrific. you would want to imagine, like, not... On some level, I guess you would want it to be some sort of, like, succubus situation, like an incubus, where it's a demon, but it's really good at what it's doing. But instead, no, poor Susanna is just being raped by a demon that you later find out is, like, a giant manta ray with a barbed penis. So, hooray for that. Um, (laughs) Sounds really fun. Really, really fun. Yeah. But to be to be fair to her, she brings you know Detta comes forward and is basically just like, well, I'm gonna fuck this ice right off of you. <laughs> yeah, she says like I'm gonna melt that icicle, which always makes me laugh. <laughs> and she like is grabbing it by the neck, and this demon is kind of just like, wait, are you into this? What's happening right now? <laughs> I'm just gonna say Detta Walker is kind of the MVP of this book. <laughs> Because yeah. she she saves Susanna's bacon not once but twice in this book. I just, as horrible as the whole situation is, it just there is something kind of darkly hilarious about the fact that she's just like trying to distract this demon by keeping it occupied as long as possible. So she's kind of like grabbing where she thinks its neck would be, and it's literally like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, are you are you hugging me? <laughs> I mean, I would say if anyone could hug a demon, it would be Detta. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they managed to get Jake uh, into Midworld. Uh, and they throw the loses demon. his pants. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just like because he's so embarrassed later when he meets Susanna. He's just like, I don't have any pants on. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am. Or shoes. <laughs> he loses his pants and his shoes. Yeah. Uh, I just like He's just like, uh, hello. <laughs> um, how are you, ma'am? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the stuff with the demon will come back. Yeah. 
Well, we'll uh, save that for the. We'll save that for later. Book. But just in case anyone worries that it's a one-off, no, don't don't worry. It's going to come back in horrible ways. Yeah. <laughs> so they start. So now Jake and Roland are are fine. They're reunited. Like, they're reunited they're whole again. Uh, there's a lot of hugging. It's very it's pretty, sweet. It is. Uh, no one has any clothes left. These poor <laughs> people. Because uh, now they have to like save it between all of them and i feel especially bad because jake packed extra clothes mm. well he was able to wear his spare jeans but now that's like the only pair of jeans he has yeah uh, and i think they make him some moccasins out of deer skin of course yeah uh and i think detta ends up wearing like his extra shirt or something because mm-hmm. susanna i mean because yeah. she loses her dress in right uh, the assault. it gets ripped to shreds <laughs> um so they start following the beam again. They meet Oi. Yay, Oi, my favorite character. <laughs> Who is a Billy Bumbler, uh, which is adorable. It's, yeah, it's an animal that's sort of like a weasel and a dog, sort and of. And a badger and a raccoon. Uh, yeah. And it's got like gold ringed eyes and it they can speak and some of them are intelligent. You know, like, uh, not just parroting back what they say, but actually speaking. And Mm -hmm. uh, some of them can count. That will be important later. And they they end up... He bonds with Jake very quickly. And so he kind of joins them as well. Um, Then, throughout all this, they're just, like... I like that they don't underplay the difficulty that would come of having to bring along on a walking trip a person who cannot walk Mm -hmm. yeah because Um, they they've made like this harness thing for Susanna which she Um, hates understandably because you know she's a grown woman and she doesn't want to be carried yeah uh but they can't always use her wheelchair because they're in the forest and the desert and the beach and stuff like that Mm mm-hmm uh so they end up in this little town called River Crossing which is just like a sweet little a little kind old of... west, you know, sort of dead, dead town, you know, that yeah, you see. In, everyone like, in it is old. Yes, ancient. It's all these ancient people. I love River Crossing. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, I cry buckets <laughs> at, when they're leaving River Crossing. But, like, they have, uh, they meet all the elders who are older than God. I mean, seriously, just ancient ass people. <laughs> They all greet Roland very formally. They know all the formal ways. They touch on that a little tiny bit in the movie. They tried mm-hmm. to put a bit of that, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't River Crossing. No, it's not the same. Um, he has a sweet moment with that blind lady. I always Mercy. like that part. Yeah. Mercy. Uh, where she's sort of, once she gets over the, like, astonishment at there being a gunslinger is basically just like, I wish I could see so I could see how hot you are. Yeah. I mean, this is like for old people, like who's someone that they would love to meet? Like, I don't know, like my grandparents meeting Bob Hope or something. Exactly. <laughs> like but it's just, I love the sassy old lady just being like, oh, I wish I still had eyes because I'd like to lay them on you. And Roland's just like, it's cool, baby. Like, don't worry about it. And he it. like puts her hands on his face like, here, check me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... And so they have they, like a feast of yeah, welcome. Yeah, which is where I was worried about all their tummies because goodness gracious, they're eating a lot of food. I mean, Although it all good sounds for really them, good. Yeah, it's like I mean, stew like, and greens and biscuits and cake and some kind of like cake with like a whipped cream. And they're like, it's only buffalo cream, but I'm like, I'll take any whipped cream, honestly. At whipped this point, cream is yeah. my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm going to be like, luckily none of them are aware of the fact that these buffalo may have like eight eyes or something. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Roland doesn't mention it, and that's fine. They have been seeing for some time in the distance a a city skyline on their travels. And like sort of the closer they get, the more Eddie and Susanna and Jake start to realize like, hey. That looks like New York. It looks a lot like New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not New York, though. It's a city called Ludd. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot, you know, lots of doubles. It's a big, mm-hmm. big, big thing. Yeah. Because um, who is it that comes from vaguely different? Because don't, even though he meet, even though he meets Eddie Mm-hmm. Isn't there something where, like, either Jake or Susanna or someone comes from a vaguely different New York? 
Um, There's some point where one of them is like, oh, such and such place. And someone they're talking to is like, what? Dinky Earnshaw, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've been heading for Lud, which I hate. And <laughs> I hate this whole part. And... I mean, I love and hate it. Like, I hate it because it, it is actually pretty, like, scary and sort of, not scary, but just, like, tense and... It is. Gross. And, and it's too plausible. Just seeing the way, like, hearing stories about people beating people up for wearing masks and stuff like that or for asking. Like, that bus driver that got beat up because he asked passengers to wear a mask. Like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, he- hearing news stories like that, it makes this future, this future fantasy version of you know like a metropolitan city like that was once what like new york seemed like way too plausible yeah it's just it's it's become like very and i like i'm not using this word in like the native sense but it's become very like tribal where there's like two main sort of groups factions that are sort of warring Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no society to speak of. And I just, part of me, I think it's because I'm like, hey, remember when there was a giant robot bear? I would enjoy <laughs> if that was back. And they yeah, find all gets... those other little robots, like the little snake and the little box that's just walking It's a lot less stuff. fantastical than yeah. the earlier part of the book. But to me, it's really fascinating to see because I'm always fascinated with stories of of the future and like what parts of our world like of any world or civilization like survive. Mhm. You mean like ZZ Top? Uh, cataclysm. Yeah. <laughs> ZZ Top apparently uh survived because there's like a drum track to a a ZZ Top song that plays just randomly throughout as they're approaching Lud and what, all the time that they're in Lud. So Mhm. I mean, there are things like, you know, they have like (laughs) cars and a whole city like on ramps and a bridge that looks just like the GWB. And, you know, it's very, um, I don't know, it's like, it's a bit like being on sliders, I imagine, (laughs) and winding up in uh, one of the shittier episodes of of sliders. Oh, no. (laughs) None of them would have liked that very much. Uh, so Jake gets kidnapped because yeah. this poor kid can't catch a break. Yeah, Oi um, is almost blown off of the bridge, which is in serious disrepair. Mm-hmm. And while they're distracted trying to keep Jake from falling into the river, um, they're snuck upon by, you know, someone that looks like a pirate, basically. <laughs> it's always the thing of people in the future. Once yeah. it gets post-apocalyptic, everyone is just like, you know what? Fashion. Yeah. <laughs> you are, matey. Fashion. <laughs> uh, and this is Gasher, which is a horrible name, but a good name for someone who lives in the post-apocalyptic future. Yeah. Uh, and he takes Jake to his leader, the TikTok man. Yes. Which sounds, again, like, so it's like the bye-bye man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The trash can man. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, I have a lingering fondness for the trash can man. Yeah, trash can man, you could at least sympathize, have a little sympathy for. You really can't with TikTok man because he's just a psychopath. It's also a lingering, it's the miniseries, it's a lingering Matt Frewer, like, fondness. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, look at you, Matt Frewer. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so, Jake shoots the TikTok man uh, and thinks he kills him, but mm-hmm. he's not particularly great with the guns quite yet, so he doesn't. Yeah. And well, dun, Jake dun, dun. knows that their whole thing, the whole reason they have to go to Lud, the whole reason they can't go around, because we're in their river crossing, like the old people ask, can't you go around? And Roland's like, well, we could, but that would take us off the path of the beam. And Jake says, no, we have to go through Lud because we have to get to Blaine because we cannot go further without Blaine. Like yeah. he just knows, like Ooh. he just has this intuition. He knows. And you'll see why. So at this point, when Jake gets taken prisoner, like they split up and Eddie and Suzanne are going to find Blaine while Roland and Oi go to rescue Jake. 
Oh, Blaine. Yeah, this I is, know. I think, another part where I'm just like, the end of this book is just like, no. Dude. <laughs> the no, end of this book is not you. fucking around. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> uh, so... It's also important to note that after Jake shoots the TikTok man and they flee, uh, the TikTok man is rescued by a gentleman named... Richard Fannin. Fair. Richard Fannin. Hmm. Mm-hmm. RF. RF. Where, are we, where do we know those initials from? Hmm. Yeah. It's Randall Flagg. Uh, yeah. I mean... And it's, it's kind of... Ain't it always... Card- it's very much the incarnation of Flag from the stand, like sort of the yeah. giggling maniac Flag. And I will say now, because it's going to come up, and we sh- I think we've mentioned it previously, but it's just, mm-hmm. I really don't like what happens with Randall Flag in this series. I hate it. I'll be honest. I think everyone hates it. I hate it a it. lot. Like, I'm going to be really... I, Megan, we're going to need like three episodes for the last book because I'm just going to be so angry. I'm going to have <laughs> to keep going on Here's a list of things rants. that piss me off. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like, oh, yeah, like that song in Hamilton where it's like, here's an item, itemized list of the last 33 years of offenses. <laughs> <laughs> that is me with the last book of the Dark Tower series. So we'll, May we'll... I also say that if I was going to fight a duel with someone, I would definitely be like, here is a letter with a list oh, of yeah. everything you've ever done that bothered <laughs> me. Um, probably just in the hopes that the other person would be like, you know what? I'm not going to fight a duel with you. And I'm also just never going to look at you again. I'm like, oh, my God, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like the scenes in Lud where um, Eddie and Susanna are trying to find Blaine and they sort of stumble upon sort of this other faction who are they have this bizarre ritual whenever the the zz top drums start up they think it's time to sacrifice someone to the drum gods or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's so dumb and i mean i just really like this a lot because it's eddie and Susanna being gunslingers and like being you know being hard and not taking any shit but also trying to be diplomatic and and you know not kill everybody but eddie they're both sort of thinking like oh god i see what roland meant like there's just a point where it just takes over and like Mm -hmm. i i can't control it like i could kill every single person here yeah no don't do that anymore you gotta stop they find the cradle and i it's so creepy because it's like the only clean like still intact sort of building Mm -hmm in the whole city because it's like continuously cleaning itself (laughs) it was just weird and then like inside it's like a train station so imagine like union station but there's all these like faces carved into the walls of like these like disapproving you know nasty looking men who eddie thinks they have to be judges because no one could look that disapproving but a judge and it's just like (laughs) thinking about that and like i love all this stuff about like the great old ones and whatever like i want to know about that society and mm-hmm. you know it, it's so fascinating to me but at the same time like it's so creepy and then we meet blaine <laughs> who is i a, like blaine blaine is a, a pain a pain he's a monorail he is bubblegum pink he is evil he is intelligent and he is insane yeah it's it's that sort of you know i have no mouth and i must scream you know the ai Mm -hmm. has not only become sentient it's also gone insane yeah uh and boy howdy it is really insane he's far outlived his purpose i also Mm -hmm. enjoy if you google image search Blaine the mono, how many pictures of Thomas the Tank Engine come up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's just, just weird. That is just weird. <laughs> uh, he used to have a sister. Patricia. Quote unquote, Patricia. Uh, he talks a lot about how, you know, ever since she she's, you know, gone, he's all by himself. And then you find out that, yeah, he killed her. Um, he basically multiple migs her. Yeah. The way it, like Hannibal does to mil- multiple Migs in Silence of the Lambs. Like, that's what Lane does to Patricia. And it's also because, 
And it's so worse when you realize that you're still talking about trains, but Blaine killed Patricia because he was tired of hearing her cry all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Typical man. So obviously Blaine's a man. Um, so Blaine is going to take them to their next stop, but first he's going to kill everybody in Ludd. Mm-hmm. He releases all these, like, uh, can- canisters of, like, uh, biological and chemical weapons. Not the nuclear stuff, because, you know, his memory, his, his brain basically is still in Ludd, so he can't destroy himself mm-hmm. yet. But it's, yeah, he's just like, hell yeah, we're going to leave. By the way, before we leave, I'm just going to kill everybody. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's just something I've been wanting to do, and I'm going to do it today. Here's some poison gas that everyone enjoys. And he's just like, so how about we all hang out and we do some riddles? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'll take you where you want to go. And and I think it's Jake that figures out that he Mm -hmm. wants to kill himself. And take them with him. And he's Ugh. like, what? And Rollins is like, well, fuck you. I'm not telling you any riddles if you're yeah. just going to kill me. Like, I'll tell you riddles. And if I manage to stump you, you have to spare our lives, basically. Yeah. He's just, like, Rollins just complete like, mm-mm. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely, I will not do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I have been through a lot of shit. And I'm not going to have a riddle party with this crazy train. Right. Right now. Um. No, thank you. Right. But that's that's sort of where we leave off, because that's, of all things, this book has to end on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. But why did they need, why did they need Blaine, though? I think that's important to get into. Ah, because they have to cross the wastelands. The wastelands. For anyone that's read um, The Talisman, they sort of do this in that book as well, where Mm -hmm. Jack and Richard have to take the little train through the desert because in the territories the desert's poison so there's a lot of that sort of you know trinity bomb testing but this was like way worse this was some kind of cataclysm that's like yeah. beyond nuclear uh and that's gonna take them to topeka yes of all places yeah that's... yeah but talk about a cliffhanger like oh megan <laughs> i read this book and then it was another seven years before the next book came out oh see i luckily didn't have that thank goodness i mean that was a hell of a cliffhanger to hang on to for seven fucking years it was a lot yeah it's so good it is it's really good and i think like blaine is such an unpleasant such an a menacing character like i i even hesitate to call him evil because he's just like He's insane. Nah, I'm, I'm comfortable calling calling him, him evil. evil. Yeah, because... I mean, there's definitely he's definitely nefarious. I'll say that. Poor Patricia just wanted to cry. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: If they mm. did this in a movie or television series, who do you think should voice Blaine? Oh boy. Because I lean for, like, Benedict Cumberbatch could do it. He's so, like, now, yeah, it's an evil voice. It's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason they get him to do those, because he's I know, I know. Yeah. What if he had to say the word penguin, though? (laughs) What if Blaine decided to say penguin? Could he do a John Wayne accent? I don't know. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) That's the other thing in any Stephen King book is that someone is always going to be doing some kind of impression. And it's like, yeah. do not have time for this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Blaine does both a John Wayne and a Humphrey Bogart impression in this book. And it's like, how? Blaine is aware of other worlds, realities. Mm-hmm. He's aware. He has a lot of knowledge about the Dark Tower, apparently, because he's mentions a bagpipe-like instrument called a wagog that uh, is played on upper levels of the tower. Roland finds that very interesting. I am not interested in anything that's done in the tower. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I would not want to have this information in my brain. Well, have you read Insomnia? Years and years and years ago. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that book made me want to know more about what was going on in there 
because of the little bald doctors and they're like oh well you're not on the same level of the tower as we are i'm just like what i my thing and i think one of the reasons that while i enjoy the last book parts Mm -hmm. of it do fall flat to me Mm -hmm. is that i do have a level where i'm like i don't need to know everything yeah and I do think that within both these books and then all of the, you know, expanded universe that also involves this, it does start to kind of crumble under its own weight a little oh bit. Oh my god, it totally does. Um, hence, like we said, like not enjoying Randall Flagg's outcome in this series when mm-hmm. he's such a, you know, a force to be reckoned with in the stand. I will tell um, you, like, nothing made me more angry than finally getting a sequel to The Talisman. And it's a it's a stealth dark tower novel. I was furious because I was like, I'm sorry, these two should not be mixing. Like they're too similar. It's too like I, I just such, hated it so much. You know, and sometimes I just like little little things. Like there's a reference. I think there's there's a reference to various like to the uh, to Randall Flag in Nosferatu maybe. Mm. I think you're right. That's right. And it's just one of those nice little throwaways where if you get it, you're like, aha. And if you don't, it's still creepy Mm -hmm. because it's just this like offhanded mention. Yeah. And it's just stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, this is I'm, I'm here for this. I'm here for how this sort of thing connects. But at a certain point when everything's connected and you know, well, this seemed really threatening from this other book, but now we're seeing it and it's not. It's just like, well, there's power in that, but there's also like, but I kind of liked that being this mystery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. No, I agree. And I mean, once we start getting into like similar kind of, of creatures and, you know, there's there's at a certain point that the twinning gets a little like, mm-hmm. uh-huh, thank you. Like, I don't know <laughs> how much I actually dandelo in my life. But... Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's... That's not here yet. We're not here. No. Not there yet. Um, so, yeah. And obviously, there's a lot of choices that are going to be made in upcoming books in this series that mm-hmm. have had much ink spilled about them and people who either love it or hate them. And those things will be coming up soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what I of mean, those really, be... the buck stops here for me and my love of this series. Like, I enjoy Wizard and Glass fine. Like, it's kind of a slog. But there are parts of it that I really like and some of the mm-hmm. mythology. But then after that, I'm just like angry, angry, angry. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know where we're shoehorning in when through the keyhole. Uh... Yeah, I think it happens in between Wizard and Glass and yeah. Wolves of the Kala. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, that's the problem with the series, because there's definitely parts that I really love from later books. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's also plenty of stuff that's just like, what? (laughs) You know, and we've talked about them at length other places and here. And there's, yeah, there's stuff coming up that we're just like, okay. Uh, (laughs) For me, I will say, just because I'm going to say it now, I think the most frustrating thing to me is not even the part where Stephen King is actually in it. Oh, but the fact that he's God? Uh, Not even that part, because you know what? All right, it's your books, man. Like, do what you will, I suppose. It's the part where everyone's like, he looks exactly like Roland. And I'm like, that's not no. any, not anything too close to how Roland has been described at all. Like, I know what Stephen King looks like. <laughs> don't turn around and tell me now that this is what Roland looks like. Cause no, right. <laughs> it's not right. That's silly and annoying. So, I mean, I love this series. I love it a lot, but, but it has flaws. Yeah. Nothing is above, above criticism. No Lord knows. And I mean, to be fair, like I know he wrote those last three books very, very quickly because he didn't know. He's like, Hey, I almost died. Exactly. Exactly. I, and, and like, he was still in recovery when 9-11 happened. So it was just like a lot of his trauma from his accident and 9-11 sort of all got just poured into this series, into the latter, last three books of this series. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just 
you know, prepare yourselves for that. I mean, the next <laughs> book doesn't really have any of that because it was written uh, before the accident, but... I, I'm i going to try. I will promise all of our beautiful listeners this. <laughs> I'm going to reread Wizard and Glass, and I'm going to try my best mm-hmm. to not be just, like, whining the entire time. Because <laughs> I don't think it's terrible. It just... It's After, a big distraction. It is. And and it really threw me for a loop to mm-hmm. a point where even looking at it on the shelf, because our collection of these is very cobbled together from used bookstores. So we yeah. don't really have a set of like matching Same. editions or anything. So Wizard and Glass is like much different than the other ones. And it's just every time I look at it on the shelf, I'm like, you can't even look the same. <laughs> look at you. Like, what are you doing? So I promise to not just, you know, approach it with a big storm cloud over my head. But like, I will I promise to try to do the same for the latter teen, three. Teen Roland getting it on. Like, yeah. La dee dee. We already know he fucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, that's been well established. Oh, my God. And will continue to be so. Yeah. <laughs> at least two more times. Yeah. So anyway, that is. Although nothing but respect for the last individual because frankly she's just like what if we just have sex right now and i respect that i respect that she's like you know what everything is getting really weird so like eh? yeah (laughs) might as well right exactly (laughs) roland's like "Mm, shrug okay yeah basically (laughs) so that is the wasteland that's the wasteland it's a lot of fun i gotta say like Every time I reread this book, there is something new, but also this feeling of, like, homecoming to me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just this was the book that really got me into the series. I love it a lot. The If you get the illustrated copy, the illustrations are gorgeous, Um, especially, like, in the latter half, showing the wastelands really horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's great. It is. No, I I love it. I do wish that, you know, I just a little more robot bear for me. <laughs> yeah, I could always do with more robot animals. I am a big, big fan. I'm, and I do not enjoy him sneezing parasites all over people. No, that was gross. But um, aside from that, I'm happy to announce that next week, Megan, <gasps> we're going to be back. We're gonna be back. We're gonna be with back Dune with Dune Messiah. Dune Messiah, yes. So, Which, okay, the chapters in that book <laughs> are bananas. Yeah, some of them are like two pages long. So yeah. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna we have might to have to combine out. some yeah. because they are so. A lot of the chapters are so short. So I mean, I feel like this is going to be a really quick season. Season two of mm-hmm. Let's Get Weirding with us just uh, skimming through this book very quickly and then the next book which is also slim but the next one after that is children of dune which i need to talk about for at least a long time that's a meatier book there's a lot more going on in children so yeah yeah we're gonna be back next week with that we're so so excited hey yes we had we got an email before the end of last season should i read it you should for the listeners so yeah we got to read an email from a real human person which good to know but they said that they just wanted to drop a thanks so much for the hours of pleasant chat and my boring warehouse job i've worked warehouse jobs before so i get it i'm happy to provide this service for you (laughs) uh they say it's been so refreshing to hear talk about dune from literally anyone but my fellow white dudes and their endless cringe uh it also helps to have a cast not afraid to be openly against the glorified fan fiction community committee (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i mean we of which there's more coming yeah apparently (laughs) they're writing more of these fanfic books and i'm just no thank you i heard that um i listened to the entire six books on audio about two years before finding the podcast haven't revisited revisited it since middle school and oh boy it was disappointing to be slapped with that what a misogynistic homophobe libertarian frank was i mean yeah i guess i could see that yeah um after learning about how he treated bruce 
I quickly became more of a Dennis Villeneuve fan awaiting his magnum opus than a Dune fan awaiting the redemption. Oh my god, I just realized while writing this that a crossover episode between you two and the Ladies Guide to Dude Cinema when the new Dune comes out would be the most amazing thing. I have not listened to that show, but it sounds amazing. That it title does. just really grabs me and <laughs> I feel like I could talk about Fight Club. I could talk about the Dark Knight. <laughs> so <laughs> I would listen to other women talk about this stuff. Um, anyway, stoked for the Wasteland episode. Well, here you go. Agree that Wasteland is the best of the seven by far. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> appreciate your work, ladies. Look forward to all your content. Can't believe I'm going to listen to you talk about Lost. I hate this show so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for that letter. Um, and on the subject of Lost, we should have our first episode of our Lost podcast. We have to go back. Should be up on Patreon by the time this airs. So mm -hmm. check that out. You can get early access if you sign up. I'm going to release the first episode onto the main feed. And if you want to subscribe, you can get the episodes a week early. So check it out there. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun. We've recorded about five episodes now. I know. Yeah, we've had some great us. guests. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 The we guests had, are very exciting, y'all. People the, apparently just, really want to talk about Lost. <laughs> yeah. And we had, and I'm, I'm serious, if you listen to our Lost podcast, stick around for the fifth episode where you can hear an amazing story about Pamela Anderson. <laughs> it is going to blow your mind. It is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh... Uh. Well, well, that's been that's been that. I'm not gonna plug anything this week because this is a not one of our regularly mm -hmm. scheduled episodes. But I will say thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks so yes. much for sticking with us through our mm -hmm. hiatus. I know we've been on break for a while, but it's gonna be good to get back talking about Dune with you guys. It is, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be really exciting. Okay. It's just the summer has been a long summer, but I hope everyone <laughs> is doing well. Yeah, doing well, staying safe. Yeah. As best you can. Yep. And yeah, we will see you all again soon. Yes, thanks everyone. Goodbye.